Hi there. Thank you for tuning in to Far From Home, a podcast that encourages biblical perspectives on immigration and inspires faith in action. I'm your host Mabel Nainen, and I'd like to welcome you if this is your first time listening to this podcast. To learn more about me or the podcast, go to mabelnainen.com. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, would you please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform? Thank you so much. I appreciate your support. Our guest today is Brittany Farrington, who is the discipleship coordinator for Women of Welcome, a community dedicated to diving into the whole of scripture to understand God's heart for the immigrant and refugee. Brittany's passion to embrace the Christian mandate of welcoming the foreigner originated in Canada where she happened to say yes to an opportunity to help newly arrived refugees from Syria. I love that Brittany did not see herself as some sort of a savior but as a friend and she invested her time and energy in forming friendships with some of these refugees. Brittany addresses the fact that a believer's call to love the foreigner is not a new biblical revelation it's a truth found all over scripture we also talked about her role at women of welcome and britney had some wisdom to share with us on how we should view the migrants coming from the southern border especially as followers of jesus i'd like to thank shireen joseph a former guest on this podcast for recommending britney to us as a guest You can join our private Facebook group called Far From Home Podcast. It's a safe and welcoming community where you can share your comments or insights about the episode. You'll find the link to the Facebook group in our show notes and I look forward to seeing you there. Hi and welcome to Far From Home with me Mabel Nainen your host. Our guest today is Brittany and Brittany and I got to know each other through a common friend someone introduced me to her uh, because she works with Women of Welcome a group that I admire and uh, respect and I follow them on social media especially the work they do with refugees and immigrants so I was so glad to be introduced to her welcome Brittany we're so glad you're here to talk to us thank you so much i'm ho- so happy to be here So here's a little bit about Brittany. She's the discipleship coordinator for Women of Welcome. Her desire to advocate for those in need led her to study communication at Wheaton College, where she was a member of the debate team and later served as one of the team's assistant coaches. But it was a chance encounter with refugees newly arrived from Syria that channeled her passion specifically into advocacy for newcomers. leading her to forge deep friendships with refugee families eventually founding a catering company together brittany is passionate about our christian mandate to welcome the stranger and i love that i think that's why you're one of our perfect ideal guests because we'd like to hear from people like you so brittany and her husband griffin are raising two little girls in holland michigan welcome again Let me start by asking you about this chance encounter. Can you elaborate, you know, how you became friends with newly arrived refugees from Syria and where did that take you? Yeah, you know, there are moments in life where you are 
planning for something and working towards something. And there are other moments where the Lord just drops something on your lap. And that is that is much more what this was for me. So um, we were living in Canada at the time, which is where we were living while my husband was doing his uh, PhD at the University of Toronto. And we had only lived there for about a year. So we were, we were newcomers ourselves getting getting familiar with this new place and a friend of a friend posted on Facebook that there was this group of Syrian men who needed a ride from Toronto to Hamilton which is the city I was living in and I thought I'm not working during those hours and I have a car so I can help and that's that's really all it was I I'd, I'd heard about Syria on the news I was you know my heart was going out to those people but it had not was not anything I had been engaged with um when I picked up this group of four Syrian dads, we squeezed into our car. We had this hour long drive together where we were, you know, I was driving, they were using Google Translate, we're, you know, trying to communicate with each other. Uh, when I dropped them off in my city, uh, I made the rounds, dropped everyone off where they were going. And when I dropped the last dad, Faisal, off at what I found out was going to be their new rental home, um, he told me that the next day his wife and his seven children were joining him in the house. And and there was a like peace worker with them. And I said, okay, when are their things coming? Like, you know, what, when, what, what are we going to fill this house with? And they said, all that's provided right now is bedding. So like beds and beds will come, but that's all. I was just thinking like, there are seven children coming to this house. Like we need pots and pans and toys and, you know, all, all of the things they'd been living in a hotel for the month previous. And so I just kind of sprung into action. You know, we were, my husband was a graduate student. So, you know, we rained a Dollar Tree and bought the, you know, the best cooking supplies we could. We put out a call on Facebook and I just said, hey, I just found out about this family that's moving in. People really rallied around and said, we have items. Can you pick them up? So I was picking them up, dropping some things off to this family. Um, and in the process of that, I learned there were nine other Syrian families in the same situation, brand new to the city, nothing in their apartments, partially because they chose to move to the city we lived in because it was more affordable. Mm. Um, but it was really at the beginning of this new uh, wave of Syrian newcomers coming. And it wasn't very clearly explained to them that by moving so far from your settlement agency, you lost a lot of those resettlement supports. Mm. So they were kind of forging this no man's land of moving to a new place, but not having people there to support them. And so, you know, I looked at my husband and I, you know, we said like, we are the only people who know that they are in our city right now. And so it just felt so clear that like God had given this to us. And so that was really the start of what became like years long friendships and um, yeah, getting to know each other. Wow. Um, that's amazing. You know, like God gave you the opportunity and you didn't even have to think twice. It was just natural or organic um, that you welcomed the opportunity and you did what you could. Um and I think that's what proximity does, right? It, it's one yeah. thing to think in your mind about the abstract idea of welcoming refugees, but it's quite another thing to say, this man in front of me, his seven children and his wife are coming tomorrow. Like mm -hmm. then the theoretical things go out the window and you're just trying to, yeah. you know, help the person in front of you. Yeah, that's true. And it also shows that, you know, anyone presented with this opportunity can do something just like you did. Right? Whatever resources that were available to you. Uh, and, and that's what God calls us to do. He's not asking us to like scale mountains or anything because he knows what uh, resources we have available. And he's just asking us to 
be faithful in tapping into those. That's totally right. And I, in looking back, I think had you asked Griffin and I, do you feel equipped as newlywed 20 somethings to support (laughs) 10 families that just arrived from Syria as they resettle? We would have said, absolutely not. What do we know? You know? Um, And so I think it was wise, you know, the Lord's provisions that we kind of met these families, how we did. And then able to turn to people who have been faithfully doing this work for decades for advice and guidance and help, you know, along the way. Yeah. Um, so I have a question about um, refugees who just come in, like you said, and they probably don't have much support. What do you think are their needs? It's a great question. So I think we have some incredible refugee resettlement organizations in the United States that are really working around the clock to provide the material necessities of starting over, like helping provide housing and food. And, you know, those organizations are stretched so thin. Mm. But I think that the opportunity for most of us, for us average people, is that need for friendship. Because Mm. I think, you know, a lot of the world operates and builds their societies around these beautiful webs of relationships and extended families and dropping in for visits and this really hospitable cultures uh, that I think we've lost a lot of in the United States. And I think coming here away from home, away from your food, like some of those practical things, like you can eventually find a grocery store, you know, that will, that will have familiar foods to you. It's really hard to rebuild the friendships and and the kind of friends that are willing to just drop by. I know that has been the biggest learning for me is that my friends from lots of other parts of the world don't want me to schedule my visit. They want me to come <laughs> by when it works. And that is so unfamiliar to me. It is almost unimaginable. Um, but I think when you come from that kind of culture, it must be so lonely moving to the United States where everything is scheduled, um, where we're very afraid sometimes to engage with new people because we think we're going to do it wrong. I really think such a key piece here is is the need for friendship. Um, obviously, these these tangible, practical things too. But I think the the way most of us everyday people can make a difference is community. Mm, yeah, that's a great point. And um, what role do you think our faith plays into that um, that desire to build friendships or? Um, engage with these communities for that reason, just to be Mm -hmm. there to build, uh, you know, uh, friendships with them. Um, As a Christian, you know, what do you think uh, that our faith has to offer or say about that? (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, I think, I think from the whole of scripture, we are just seeing two things. One, a consistent command. I think, I think it is a clear command to welcome immigrants and, um, and foreigners or strangers or whatever, whatever word your Bible translation uses. I think God is so clear from start to finish about this, uh, command of ours to be welcoming to people who are not in their land. Um, but on top of that, I think we also see that God is consistently, using immigrants to bring his purposes about in the world. Like almost every Bible character I can think of, their story starts like, and God told him to leave home or, and there was a famine in their land. So they had to leave for a neighboring country. Like, like all of these heroes of our faith are immigrants themselves. So I think there's kind of this dual purpose, one of which is like, we are to show hospitality, we are to be welcoming. And also, I think there's a whole lot for us to learn. Like, if God was using immigrants to 
to bring forward his plan in the world all throughout scripture, I don't think he stopped. I think he is still using immigrants to bring about his plans in the world. And I think we're missing something if we're not we're not looking to our immigrant neighbors to learn more about God and in how he operates in the world. Mm, well said. Uh, I was just thinking about that this morning. Um, I had my Bible app open. In fact, before talking to you, um, my son was asking me which book next he has to read from the Bible. And I told him, go to Daniel 1. Uh, Daniel, start reading Daniel. And <laughs> just reading even Daniel 1, right? It begins by saying... Uh, so this is Daniel 1 verse 2. And the Lord delivered Jeho- Jehoiakim. I never get these king's names. King of Judah into his hand, along with some, some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure, blah, blah, blah. And then it goes on to say, the, then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility young men qualified and well-informed. So it just begins again. We hear about these young people being taken into exile. And that's how the story starts. They're not in their lands. Here we see just right. like you're right. In fact, said. they've been trafficked out of their lands, yeah. you know? Um, I think sometimes we almost treat the intro of stories like, I mean, and I am guilty of this, like of how we treat like the genealogies, you know, so-and-so beget so-and-so. And we're like, yeah. okay, like skip to the story. And, yeah. and I think sometimes we do this with the, like the stories of how people had to leave home. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think we miss really important context when we do that. Yeah. Because I mean, we know all the great stories about Daniel and him being a hero, but think about this. He was taken away forcibly, right? Along with other uh, families um, into an, a foreign country and just being trained under a new culture, a new king in new ways. I don't think that was very comfortable or nice, yeah. but he had to put up with that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think sometimes in the in the broader Christian conversation, sometimes when we start talking about the Bible and immigration, a lot of us jump to thinking like, oh no, this is some new way to read scripture, or this is some some lens that I'm not comfortable with. Yeah. But I think what you're pointing out is I don't I don't think it has to be that at all. I think yeah. it's just it's just reading what's on the page in front of us that we yeah. just often have missed or haven't emphasized. Absolutely. So tell us about your work with Women of Welcome. Uh, you're the discipleship coordinator. So what do you do and how did you get involved with this organization in the first place? Yeah, so Women of Welcome um, is a really special community. We're a community of Christian women, evangelical women, who are trying to follow after Christ's heart for immigrants and refugees we're trying to look at the whole of scripture to see like what God is after here and and try to be women who are doing the same. Um, a lot of us come from communities where um, immigration is a political topic and not a faith topic. Mm-hmm. And it's probably a political topic that we don't want to wade into. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're trying to kind of help recover this Christian call uh, to to, yeah, to love and care for immigrants as Christ did. Uh, so we're mostly an online community. We do some in-person trips to the southern border. But by and large, we have um, like our Instagram, which is I think maybe where we connected. We have our private Facebook group, which is for women who have questions, but maybe questions you don't want to put on your public news feed. You know, you're yeah. you're yeah. really trying to honestly grapple with what 
how do we balance safety and welcome and, and all of these things? So we try yeah. to make a community a really gentle place to ask those questions. I think it's the nicest place on the internet. Um, and then we also put out Bible studies to kind of do what we're doing right now and just say, what does the Bible have to say about this? So we really try to meet women where they are and in lots of different ways to, uh, yeah, to just really encourage us that we are not alone here in in this desire to care for immigrants. Um, as a discipleship coordinator, my job is so wonderful because I'm getting to be in a lot of these online conversations. I also get to have phone calls with women to say either they want to get connected where they are, or they just want someone to talk with them and pray with them. You know, I, I was on a call recently about this woman who her, she was just doing incredible work trying to advocate for some newcomer families where she lives. Her husband just doesn't get it. You know, he is a believer and he loves the Lord and he just doesn't understand her passion in this space. And we actually have a lot of women who I think are in similar positions. So it's a real gift to be able to like encourage them and pray for them um, and remind them that they are not alone. Mm, Yeah. And going back to this point that you mentioned about questions that people have that they ask in private. So I wanted to talk about that a little bit according, you know, in in your experience, what are some of the common concerns uh, that people have uh, if they're considering working with refugees or even someone who is just completely antagonistic? They don't want anything to do with it or they have. So what what are their uh, concerns or questions? Great question. When it comes to the like outright antagonism that you're talking about, I think the thing we hear most commonly is just like, America should take care of Americans first. You know, it's not our responsibility to take care of people. Like they might even have compassion towards them. Like a lot of times we hear it, there's a good heart behind this question of like, we have a lot of homeless people in the United States. So why are we, why are we talking about the folks who are coming through the border? Like we need to yeah. solve these problems here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's a question we should take seriously. But I also think it's a question that like calls, makes us think about our role as believers versus our role as Americans. Uh, Bree, who's the director of our organization, always talks about like the kingdom mindset versus the American mindset. And while the United States government probably, you know, does have a special obligation to its citizens. And so it has tough questions to think about there, like as Christians, Every person is of equal importance to God and every person is made in the image of God. And I think what that does is it frees us up to serve anyone that we feel called to serve who is in need. So, you know, I think at Women of Welcome, you know, we are particularly engaging in the immigration space, but wow, are we cheering for anyone who's working in the homelessness space or the foster care space? Like there's the kingdom of God is abundant. And so I think there is so much freedom to advocate or anyone who we find in need. Um, I would say that's that's a big concern we hear. We also just get a lot of questions of like, what is happening at the Southern border? Like if you watch certain news sources, you're it, it's gonna look like there is just a, a steady stream of folks who are being released into our country with no tracking, no vetting, um, anything like that. And so we do a lot of work to just have conversations with our partners on the ground to say like, we are seeing more folks coming to our southern border than we have in a really long time. And the kind of folks we're seeing come to our southern border, it's a different population. It is mostly asylum seekers. It's people who it's not safe for them to stay in their home. Whereas 
couple of decades ago, it would have mostly been people who were coming to work. They wanted better opportunities. Um, now we're seeing people who it, it is unsafe for them to return home. Um, and, you know, those are both important groups of people, but it's a different population. Uh, and so a lot of this is creating misconceptions of like, yes, we are having more people come. A large amount of those people are being turned back. Um, and anyone who is allowed to stay has been processed. Mm-hmm. They've been given a court date. Asylum seekers overwhelmingly show up for their court dates. Um, We just talk about some of those logistics of like how it actually plays out because pictures of large crowds on the news can feel overwhelming. So it's just going that next step deeper. And again, reorienting that heart posture, you know, when the Bible tells us that when Jesus saw large crowds of hungry people, his reaction was compassion towards them and to say, how can I feed these people? And so I think it's that constant refining and reshaping of our hearts so that our first reaction when we see large crowds of desperate people is compassion. Mm-hmm. That does not mean that everyone will be allowed to stay in the United States, but it should mean that everyone is treated fairly and with dignity and treated really well and have their case heard fairly. Uh, yeah. So that's that's a lot of the conversations that we're having. And the media is not helping. I'm, I'm not saying all of them, but there are a few channels or publications that, you know, just outrightly portray these asylum seekers or whoever's coming to the border uh, with, with language that is just very hateful or demeaning. And, and like you said, um, the posture of our heart matters. But also, I think one way we can make a big difference is by just watching our language, how we talk about them makes such a big difference, don't you think? Absolutely. I think we are, you know, part of part of the, the survey data that led to the creation of our Women of Welcome community is that we are, Christians are not being discipled by our churches on immigration. We're being discipled by the media. That is where most of us are getting our information. And like you said, that is going to lead us to a very fearful place. Um, fear is very profitable. <laughs> um, and mm. I think, I think that's absolutely right. Is I think we do not have to have all the answers. We do not have to be an expert, but we can reframe conversations when we hear people who are created in the image of God spoken poorly about, you know, mm-hmm. I think yeah. I think that is a huge thing that any of us could do. Yeah. Um, and so I have one last question about asylum seekers versus uh, undocumented immigrants. Most people don't know the difference. They just lump all of them in one category. Can you explain the distinction? Totally. So um, an undocumented person is anyone who does not have authorization to be in the United States. So this could be someone who was able to cross the border and evade law enforcement and has been working under the table since they've been here. Um, Another category that most that kind of fall under the undocumented umbrella is people who have overstayed Mm -hmm. a visa. That's a large percentage of folks um, who they came on a student visa or a tourism visa and never left. Um, Most people's picture of an undocumented person is probably not a white Canadian, but that is a large (laughs) amount of folks who are undocumented here in the United States. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that would be our neighbors who are undocumented. That would also include dreamers who you've we've probably all heard a lot about, which are, um, I mean, people my age now, people older than me, but who were brought to the United States when they were a child. So they do not have documentation um, 
to be here permanently. They were protected temporarily under a program called DACA, um, but they are also undocumented. They might not have chosen to cross the border themselves, but they would still be in that population. Asylum seekers, on the other hand, uh, have presented themselves to the United States government and do have temporary authorization to be in the United States. So Mm. that is a large amount of the folks who are crossing our southern border right now are asylum seekers. Some of them are um, entering on a different immigration pathway called parole, uh, humanitarian parole. But for all intents and purposes, an asylum seeker is someone who says, if I go back home, I will be persecuted or killed for some specific reasons, because of my race, because of my nationality, because of my religion, because I protested the political party. There's there's these really strict criteria for asylum seekers. Um, but interestingly, to be an asylum seeker, and, and a, being an asylum seeker means once you present yourself to an officer, you say, I can't go back, they will kill me. Um, you are put in, in a process that will lead So you're going to get to go before a judge, present your evidence of why you can't go back home, and they will either accept your case and and give you a pathway to stay in the United States or say, we do not find your case credible, you have to return home. And and sometimes those are really tough cases because a negative hearing does not mean you lied. It can just mean you didn't have the paperwork to prove it. You didn't didn't have the documents you needed to prove this case. so that is an asylum seeker. So when you're seeing folks that have crossed the border and then you might hear stories about a bus of people was sent to New York City, those folks actually are not undocumented. Um, otherwise, Border Patrol would not have released yeah. them into yeah. the United States. They've been they've been vetted, they've gone through security checks, and they've been given a court date of when they will appear. Um, one thing that's important to know about asylum is that asylum is like, it's protected under U.S. law, it's protected under international law, But the only way to access it is to be physically in the United States. Mm. So the only way to start that process is by crossing the border. So we create this kind of mismatch for folks where, especially when we close our legal points of entry, you you have to step across the border without authorization to then be able to legally start your asylum process. So we've made a very convoluted system for folks, but I think that's important to know. Like Mm -hmm. there was not a better pathway available to these people. This is the path that the U.S. law prescribes. You have to physically set foot in our country and then you can start the process. Yeah, thank you. That was so helpful. Uh, I hope that that helped, you know, clarify some of the questions uh, for our viewers and listeners. Um, so how can someone get involved with Women of Welcome? Uh, what are the some of your new projects or um, initiatives that, you know, yeah. at various levels um, we can get involved? We would love to have you. So, um, you know, following along on our Instagram page or Facebook page is a great entry point. I would recommend joining us in our private Facebook community because it's just it's such a supportive place. It's where you can find out about everything that's going on uh, in Women of Welcome. I'll also send you the link to our website because we have a few different Bible study groups that our different members of our community are leading right now. There's some Bible study groups, there's some prayer groups, some different ways to get involved in that space. Um, And then another resource I'd want to share is we have this brand new online hospitality magazine, and it's all about how we can practice biblical hospitality in our everyday lives. You know, maybe, maybe it's not quite Pinterest worthy, but it's, it's a way to show welcome right where we are. And 
uh, we have some amazing contributors to that and some, some recipes and some very simple ideas that will help it feel like hospitality is something within reach for, for all of us. So I'll be happy to send that link along for you to share. Wonderful. And like you said earlier, just for us to know that we are not alone and maybe some women do want to get involved, but they're unsure, is this the right thing to do or not? And so I think Women of Welcome provides that kind of uh, loving support and gives you information um, where you you can then take the next steps. That's right. I think for so many of us, we're in communities where um, to say that you care about immigrants is to maybe be switching political parties. That's how it's heard to other people. It's yeah. just heard through the lens of politics. And for lots of our ladies, that is not what it means. You know, uh, our audience tends to be more conservative. Uh, and, and and that doesn't, that like we said earlier, it's not a, it's not some newfangled way to read scripture. Yeah. It's really just recovering what's already there. And so we just really want to show women that like they are not alone, that this pleases God when we care about immigrants and refugees and serve them. And we're happy to make that space for people. Thank you so much, Brittany. Talking to you was so encouraging, inspiring and informative. And I hope that listeners, viewers, go check out Women of Welcome. And I'll also put a link to how you can get in touch with Brittany if you have any questions for her. Thank you. Yeah, I'm always up for a phone call. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for joining us today on Far From Home a podcast that encourages biblical perspectives on immigration and inspires faith in action. I'm your host, Mabel Nainan. I would like to invite you to join our private Facebook group, Far From Home Podcast, a place where you can share your thoughts and comments. I also share extra scenes and behind-the-scenes snippets on this Facebook group. I can't wait to meet you there and listen to what you have to say. If you want to know more about Far From Home or about me, go to MabelNinen.com. Some episodes of this podcast are available in video format on my YouTube channel, Mabel Ninen. Be sure to check that out if you're interested in watching the interesting conversations I have with the guests on this podcast. Thanks again for listening and I'm so glad you joined us today. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.